0: I'm Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's Trader Lineup, Guy Adami, Pete and Jerry, and Dan Nathan, and Steve Grosso. Tonight on Fast, the man who moves the markets will be joined by J.P. Morgan's Marco Kalonovic and his provocative prediction about the election and what it could mean for your money. And take a look at just a few of the names hitting all-time highs today, but are their runs all about the momentum? We've got a new game. We'll see if the traders can keep up. Plus, need a vacation? Pete's got a fast pitch on one travel stock focused Uh, travel stock that he thinks could get a pop as our leisure habits start to shift. And we've got another bonus hour Fast Money tonight at 6, where we will be answering all of your burning trading questions. If you've got one, tweet us at CNBC Fast Money. We'll try and get you an answer tonight. But we start off with Zoom. Whiz, pop, bang. However, a slice of Zoom shares staged a gigantic rally after posting a blowout earnings quarter. Its 40% jump today now gives it a market cap bigger than Lowe's. UPS, IBM and Citigroup. And it is about three quarters the size of Cisco, which, of course, is a similar product and 83 times the revenue. So what do you make of this giant move today? Pete, what do you say?
1: Well, it's pretty incredible, Mel. I don't know how often we've been able to see a stock that's actually jumped by 40 percent in a single day, but it ran into earnings. We've seen nothing but bullish paper in here. For the entire year of 2020, they've been buying and expecting movement to the upside. And it's been delivering. And the interesting thing, I think, Mel, is... When you look at the numbers, yes, the numbers were astounding. When you look at the revenue numbers and the earnings beat and all the rest of those things, it, it, it's incredible. But I think what what stands out for me is that I look at this company and, and you just wonder, there's not a short squeeze going on here. Oftentimes, we see stocks like this make these kind of moves, and a lot of that might be a short squeeze. That's not the case here. It's not a very large, short position. So I think this is just an amazing stock that has continued. And people look at this stock and they think to themselves – is this stock going to be around after the pandemic and i think so far people are thinking yes and it is a verb so i think for all those reasons this is a stock that people better be careful of because i don't think you want to short this name still
0: yeah to pete's point the short interest according to facts is just over five percent um, dan you know this is an amazing company yes the cfo on the call though did say that the sequential revenue growth would be down uh... third quarter fourth quarter and yet analysts are saying it, it that is just too conservative. It is amazing what what the analyst community and investors are looking to uh, look past at this point, even with this giant run
2: well, Mel, decelerating from three hundred and fifty percent year over year <laughs> revenue growth is pretty much a certain, but I think more importantly. You know, it's the period over period, the quarter one to quarter two, 100%. I mean, listen, this caught a lot of people off guard. But I think you kind of mentioned a few things here. Even with the high expectation the stock was trading at all-time highs into the print, um, you know, the company's guidance for the full-year revenue, like you said, it it places it um, at a place where it's just not moving the needle for some of its big competitors. I think it's really important to remember, yes, they have a far superior product to what Microsoft has, to what Cisco has to what Google has. but at some point, the, the landscape is going to change. The demand pull forward in such a short period of time is going to change. And the stock is really not going to be able to kind of grow into this valuation because they have pulled forward so much. So that would be the only risk here. But when you see a stock gapping up you know, 25% and closing on the dead high of the day, having a market cap of $130 billion, you know, you're saying to yourself, this is a full-blown mania. This is not about Zoom and their ability to capture market share or win the pandemic, as some people like to say, this is a market mania. We saw it last week with Salesforce. Salesforce also gained 25% in a clip. That was about $40 billion in market cap. There's just a massive FOMO trade going on here. It's not going to end well, but in the meantime, you'd have to be crazy to try to short it.
0: One thing that jumped out at me in the quarter is is the uh, growth in the customers with fewer than 10 employees. That was up 762 percent. So smaller businesses um, becoming a bigger part of, of Zoom's mix here, Guy. But if you believe that there's any sort of uncertainty about the economy, these are the customers that might churn out of
3: Zoom. Yeah, no question. I, but, you know, Pete said it. Zoom has become a verb. It's like it's become the same way Netflix has become part of the vernacular in this country and that's a very powerful thing to have behind you. So I totally agree. Uh, this move yesterday obviously and today took me by surprise. No question. I didn't see this coming at all. As a matter of fact, I thought that post market move yesterday was a move to take profits into. So that proved to be wrong. But just in terms of you know what's in the stock, it is now effectively the size of Texas instruments. And you're talking about a company again, I understand the growth, I get all the metrics, I get it was an outstanding quarter but they're still going to probably be less than $3 billion in revenue. And just for comparison, why not? They're now significantly larger than Boeing, which I know everybody has heard of. And I'm not comparing the businesses by any stretch, but just for comparison on the revenue side of things, Boeing's going to probably have $75 billion or so in revenue. So you have to ask yourself at what point all this growth priced in, and I have to believe we're getting pretty close.
0: So is this, Steve, in your view, I mean, I think this all boils down, and for so many stocks in this market at this point, it all boils down to whether or not you believe there are the fundamentals to back these amazing stock runs or if it's all momentum. So what do you say specifically about Zoom's run?
4: Yeah, there's no fundamentals that can back up. I get the whole four times on on revenue. I get the whole thing. But when you look at the RSI, it's it's got a reading of 88. You look at the chart, you understand why there's an RSI of 88, it's a flagpole right now. So when, when Pete talked about short interest and that's not the reason, this stock will be shorted. So now Dan had said, you don't wanna short it. I totally get that too. But this one looks like an option to me on the world never getting any better. And to, to your point, the metric that you just used that it's employees under 10? I mean, why aren't they not FaceTiming at that point with three or four? Why are they not using other competitors? I can't see this being a, su- a sustainable uh, revenue stream going forward. This just speaks to how much the investment community was caught off sides. We remember when the this, when this stock came out, Melissa, we around the desk started talking about the limited amount of customers that they had and that it wasn't going to be a viable business. That blew out the doors. I don't say you go out and short it tomorrow, but I think the day is near. This is a sign of the top in the market, in my opinion.
0: Well, we are talking about all the potential competitors out there, Dan. I mean, right, we were, we we're talking about Microsoft and we we're talking about Google and we were talking, I mean, all these various things. Why? Why with Zoom? Why would companies? And yet here we are.
2: Well, it, it's very simple. You know, it's just a far superior product, a far superior user interface. There's a reason why people aren't FaceTiming. It's not as stable. You can't plan the meetings. You can't record them. You can't have the security. There's a whole host of reasons. When you get into the enterprise, even large and small, you know, schools are adopting the heck out of it. I think what you're also going to see is that you might have a stickiness for this product for some of the free users, which really is a lot of cost for them if you can't convert them. And then you say you may have some churn in some of those small businesses that don't survive um, but at, you know there's no doubt about it when you think about Cisco the, the the founder of this company came from Cisco he ran the WebEx product he right. left Cisco because he thought it sucked okay and he built a far superior product Cisco is going to have forty nine billion dollars in revenues of that less than ten percent of that revenues comes from their collaboration division at some point they're gonna have to get really serious about this and take zoom on because that's the only division that they have any growth in their company. And maybe you see them trying to spin out um, that division and unlock some shareholder value. When you see this company have, again, 75 percent of the market cap of Cisco, a company that has, you know, 20x um, the amount of sales, you have to start scratching your head and saying, what the heck is Cisco doing here?
0: Can you say that word on TV? I I guess you just did. and We didn't get bleeped out or anything. Heck? Yes, heck. heck. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Let's get to another big mover. (laughs) in the market today. Check out shares of Walmart surging uh, after the retailer finally gave us a launch date for its Amazon Prime competitor, Walmart Plus. The annual membership will cost customers 98 bucks a year, twelve ninety-five a month, to have access to perks, such as same-day shipping, cashierless checkout on the app. You can skip the line when you go in the store. The subscription service will launch on September 15th. Now, Guy, as you know, when Walmart first announced this, it had a huge pop. Every single detail after that It had kept getting pops on the same, basically the same news. And here we are today at 147 and change.
3: So what do you think of this Ron? Can you imagine if if they announced a three for one split? The stock would be trading 250 (laughs) That could be tonight. You don't know. No, you know, I understand. I I get the Walmart Plus thing and we've talked about that. And, you know, kudos to both Tim and Karen that have been talking about the revaluation in this stock. And I think the TikTok news to me is far more important. I get Walmart Plus is a big deal, but... I think this TikTok news, that's what's going to get the reval in terms of WMT shares. And I said it uh, earlier this week, I'll say it again, or last week, I think you're going to start to see analysts come out if and when this Microsoft Walmart TikTok deal happens, and they're going to reevaluate the stock. And you're going to see price targets somewhere between 180 and $200. And I'll stand by that. That's how important I think a TikTok could be to Walmart's brand and their business moving forward. This is not your grandfather's Walmart anymore.
0: So, Guy doesn't think it's just momentum here carrying the stock, Pete. What do you say? It's the fundamental. I mean, TikTok I, is enough. This prime competitor is yeah, enough. well,
1: uh, I have to agree with Guy. I mean, when you look at their digital and you look at the delivery, and that's what we're talking about with Walmart Plus, I think it's really interesting because this is a company whose e commerce already has a growth rate of 97%. So, it's feeding into the animal, so to speak. And you're watching, uh, I can tell you this from a derivatives market perspective, They have been buying in Walmart just consistently, Mel, and just consistently coming back. And it's very, very short-term, expecting very violent moves, like we saw today, as a matter of fact. As a matter of fact, it got up to 149. They were buying the 150 strike calls that expire on Friday. This is a stock that continues to move to the upside. I said it today earlier that I think that the P.E. level feels a little bit stretched, but I'm probably (coughs) wrong there, too, because of the fact that when I look at their P.E. and it's trading in the mid to upper 20s, Maybe that's actually low, considering the fact of what might this company be in the future, especially if you've got this subscription business that they're talking about and anything to do with TikTok. I think it might have to be revalued in a different way. To Guy's point, maybe it's a $108 price target type name.
0: All right, we got a news alert here on auto sales. Let's get to Phil LeBeau with the news. Phil.
5: Hey, Melissa, this is encouraging news, and it comes from the research firm Auto Data, which crunches the numbers every month. It says that the sales rate for the month of August... Was 15.12 million vehicles. That is down 11% compared to the same month last year. But the significance here is that this is the first time that the pace of sales for any month has topped 15 million since February. That's a little higher than people were expecting for August. But again, 15.12, that is the pace of sales, 15.12 million, the pace of sales for the month of August. Melissa, back to you.
0: So uh, the pace of sales is back to pre-pandemic levels, Phil, Is that correct? Not quite.
5: Okay. Not quite. Down Almost. anywhere between 10 and 15 percent. Okay. Uh, but this is the highest we've seen since, since February. February. All right. Phil, thanks. Phil LeBeau.
0: You bet. Um, Steve Grasso, is there a trade in these auto stocks or you just say, no thanks?
4: Well, Ford down 26%, uh, GM still down 18%. I think the, the trade in the, in the autos is unfortunately still Tesla. Everything that uh, sparks a buy in this space revolves around electric. GM had a couple of headlines uh, revolving around uh, electric, and that's what caused the jump. Both of them were trapped underneath their 200-day moving average. GM just broke out of that. So if you had to go with one, if you were forced to go with one, if if this is a would you rather, which I'm making it, it would be GM for me. (laughs) Other than that, I think, unfortunately, you're going to have to start uh, nibbling away as Tesla raising money again, diluting the shares again, diluting shareholder value. I think you're going to have to dip dip your foot in Tesla eventually. But just think about what Phil said. This is the first time we're starting to see an uptick in car sales. When the economy starts doing better, you're, not, you're going to see people jumping on subways again and jumping on trains again. I don't know when that's going to take place, but I think we pulled forward a lot of demand in the autos.
0: All right, we've got some breaking news on the eviction moratorium. Diana olick got the details. Diana.
6: Hi, Melissa. Yeah, we're just getting on a Treasury call where they're announcing that they're extending the federal eviction moratorium that expired on July 24th through the end of this year. But it's interesting how they're able to do this through an executive order. They're actually using an order from the CDC, which is saying that it is no longer healthy to evict anyone from a residential property. And under the CDC rule, which was just posted, it says under this order, a landlord, owner of a residential property or other person with a legal right to pursue eviction or or possessor action should not evict any covered person from any residential property in any jurisdiction in which this order applies during the effective period of the order. Now, we do know that 30 states do not have any more eviction protections right now. Most of them have all expired. Other states have some, New York, California, etc. We've been reporting that today, but this essentially puts the eviction extension on that moratorium through the end of the year. We're still getting details on this through Treasury. It does appear that it would cover a lot, most of, if not all, properties, and they're saying that they're using money from uh, from HUD in order to help landlords to get through this. In order, because obviously landlords have to pay their expenses on these properties, even if they're not getting rent. They are talking on the call now about what type of uh, renter who possibly is behind on rent would be covered, but it appears under this CDC order that it is wide-ranging and that most people would be covered, at least through the end of this year, on the eviction moratorium. We'll get more details to you as they become available.
0: Diana, you may not know this at this point with, with the details so fluid, but would the help to help landlords be commensurate, with the help that would keep renters in place and not evicted, And I'm just wondering, because if if instead of a a wave of evictions that we've staved off, if we're going to see a wave of foreclosures uh, on properties, because landlords can't make those payments.
6: Right. Well, so if you're a single-family landlord, which is about 40 percent of the market, you do have the option to go into the mortgage bailout, which is, of course, the forbearance program, which gives you forbearance for up to a year on your property. And under that program, people in those properties cannot be evicted. And FHFA has already put an extension on that Foreclosures on those properties. So that would help the single family rentals. Then you start to look at the multifamily, the big REITs, the names we talk about that could be affected. They have not seen the high rate of tenants not paying that others have. In fact, their payments are pretty high, still around 92.5% of all of the large national multifamily are getting that they're paying rent. And that's not that much lower than a year ago. It's the sort of two to six unit smaller buildings. Where you have tenants there who are much more lower income. In fact, the lowest income of the renter scale, who are really being hit hard by that. The smaller buildings, they are seeing the high rates of rental delinquencies, and they're the ones who are going to need help from the government about what to do about those buildings as they go into mortgage delinquency on their own properties.
0: Right. Uh, so complicated, Diana. Thank you, Diana Olick, with all the details here. Um, as we look out, Dan, I'm just curious what your thoughts are in terms of the pain. It just, we're protecting one class but inflicting pain on another. And in the end, it's all pain on the economy.
2: Yeah, I think you asked a great um, question, Mel. And it really is we do have to balance a lot of this out. Obviously, we need to, you know, there's been trillions of dollars Thrown at the economic effects of this pandemic, and it does need to be equalized. We need to protect our vol- most vulnerable citizens, and, and you know what? The CDC angle on that is fine, but you also need to protect those people who, um, y- you know, have the have the loans uh, on those businesses, and uh, they face foreclosure too. So, you know, listen. I, I think that we're going to need to see some more conversation on fiscal stimulus because that's how this economic recovery gets derailed. You use the expression numerous times this spring. It's kind of a bridge to a vaccine we don't have any visibility on that so we're going to continue to need to kind of pump the fiscal uh, you know pumps here to keep things going
0: it's it's a, a bridge that's getting longer by the day I mean to think that this moratorium goes through the end of the year and that the perception is that it's needed to the end of the year and yet this is a day where the has to be and the nasdaq set new new highs guy copper hit a two year high msci world index all- time high I mean it's just amazing sort of the dic- dichotomy between what the markets are telegraphing and what the economy is.
3: Yeah, we've talked about that for a while, mm-hmm. and that chasm continues to grow. To your point, you know, it's interesting, as I'm listening to Diana talking, what struck me was, you know, what does this mean for banks, if anything? Mm-hmm. But, you know, what I'll say, and I think Dan would probably agree with this, you know, the banks have not, I mean, I'm stating the obvious, but they have not traded well. I mean, look at Wells Fargo, for example, closed around 24. I think that March low was 22. And i got to tell you, with news like this, that March low becomes closer and closer in the crosshairs. So there are reasons to own banks. However, when you hear things like this, you have to wonder what the loan loss provisions are going to look like going forward. And I don't think it paints a particularly rosy picture, in my opinion.
0: All right. Let's get back to some of the soaring stocks in this market. And you might be asking what is behind the massive moves. We talked about Zoom. We talked about Walmart. Um, Is momentum, is it solid fundamentals? Um, Is it momentum mo as in momo is it not momentum as in nomo that is the name of our new game that we're going to debut tonight momo or nomo so it is a stack with a huge run driven by momentum that would be momo or fundamentals that'd be nomo nomo not momentum right get it you guys got it huh yes yep. all right well let's let's give it a whirl here we got nothing to lose Except for some time on this show, well, we start off with Peloton here. It is up 190 percent this year, this year, and it's September one. So, Guy,
3: Momo or Nomo? Why do you? You know I don't understand the game. Yet you start with me. I was going to try to cheat off Pete or something, but you said, but, I'll, the bar but low. I'll play I'm your reindeer. Low here. I'll play your reindeer games. I think, and I've thought this for a while, so I'm not backtracking or speaking in advance. I think this is a, what's the two, no-mo. Mo? No Mo. So Mo, this is a fundamental story. I understand that momentum's behind it, so maybe it should be Bobo, both. But Goldman Sachs just slapped a $96 price target on it. You see Peloton now getting into the health business. I think their ecosystem is wonderful. I don't think people are going to flee it once the world returns to some semblance of normalcy. Mm. So I think if I'm playing it right, no mo, Melms.
0: You are. I'm very proud of you, Guy. I really thought you'd mess that up. I mean, I was like 99.9% sure, and you did well. All right, Pete, you're next. Guy set the bar high. Um, We go to DocuSign. It has surged more than 250% this year. Some might argue that today's pop was thanks to Zoom, which shows that there is demand, in fact, for remote home tools. Um, Flipper Russell is, they're chiming in right now, but but Pete, in terms of, of this stock, DocuSign, Nomo or
1: Momo? I think it's a Nomo, Mel, I, and, and the reason I say that is I think this is another one of these names, and I, I know we've already talked about this, but in terms of this is, a, this is almost going to be a verb. I think this is something that's going to stick for a while, because <laughs> I do think that we are going to see a lot of changes, and when I say that, I think we will, we'll have people return to offices, no doubt in my mind, but... At the same numbers? Probably not. So I think that there's a lot of uh, oper- you know, opportunity here in terms of this company can cont- continue to grow. And as they grow, I think you're going to see that business absolutely explode to the upside. So I think in this case, it's not just momentum. I think it's sustainable. So I'm going to put it in the Nomo category.
0: All right, let's get to Netflix here, of course. Um, a huge winner of the stay at home boom, now offering some of its content to non subscribers. Dan, is this Momo or Nomo?
2: Um, I think this is no-mo. I, I think that, you know, this is a company whose prime product was facing a lot of competition pre-pandemic. You know, the North American subs had kind of flattened out to starting to decline a little bit. Um, I think their ability to kind of, you know, introduce their product to just millions of people stuck or billions of people stuck at home has been a great thing. So it's a new sign of life. I, I mean, I think it works for them. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, the stock's been surging over the last couple of days. A lot of this news is in the stock. I mean, at some point, I think Steve said it pretty aptly when we are talking about Zoom, you know, these valuations will need to correct at some point. It's going to be very painful if you're the last one in buying that all-time high spike. Um, but obviously, Netflix is a company that is going to be navigating this environment when things decelerate a little bit over the next couple of years. Um, so this is a uh, no-mo for me, I think. All no-mo. right.
0: Uh, NVIDIA, the next one up, surging more than 130% this year, just introducing new graphics chips. Is this all momentum or fundamental, Steve?
4: Well this one is, if you look at, I'm going to say it's a NOMO stock uh, on this one, but if you look at the RSI, Relative Strength Index, it is a momo because it's got a reading of 88. So you have to look at it uh, out of two sides, uh, two, two sides of the equation here. Gaming is 50% of their revenue, data centers is 25% of the revenue. Those two aren't going anywhere. They're big in artificial uh, reality, artificial intelligence. They're also big in driverless cars, so autonomous dr- uh, autonomous drive. That is going to push it. That's where the fundamentals kind of meet the road, so to speak. So. If the market comes in, which I think it will, all of these names that we just discussed will come in. But this one is, I think, is built on fundamentals that are
0: solid, which makes it a no-mo. All right. Coming up, is your portfolio prepped for the November election? A top Wall Street strategist will join us to break down how you should be positioned come Election Day. But first, a rumble down under, a battle that's brewing between Australia and Facebook. will bring you all the details next. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out Facebook shares jumping today despite another threat of regulation. This time it's Australia that's looking to crack down on the social media giant. Julia Borson's got the latest on the challenge from the land down under. Julia.
7: Well, Melissa, Facebook is threatening to prevent its Australian users from sharing news in the newsfeed if a proposed law is passed that would force Facebook to pay publishers for articles. Now, this proposal, which still needs to be approved by Australia's parliament, would have an arbitration panel decide just how much technology companies must pay publishers if the two sides don't agree, which Facebook says would be unfair, effectively allowing publishers to charge whatever price they want with the government enforcing that pricing. Now, Facebook telling us that this, quote, this is not our first choice, it is our last, but it is the only way to protect against an outcome that defies logic and will hurt, not help, the long-term vibrancy of Australia's news and media sector. The Australian government, noting that 39 percent of Australians use Facebook for general news, saying of this proposal, quote, the code simply aims to bring fairness and transparency to Facebook and Google's relationships with Australian news media businesses. News Corp supports Australia's code, saying the tech platform's day of free riding on other people's content are ending. Now, Facebook saying it already invests millions of dollars in the Australian news business, and it offered to invest more and to bring to Australia Facebook News. That's a service where it pays publishers for their content. So, Melissa, it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out. And it seems like for the publishers in particular, there could be quite a bit of money at stake.
0: And if the publishers win this, Julia, could this be extrapolated to other countries?
7: Well, look, I think that something like this has been uh, proposed in Europe. It has not taken off there. So if this did happen, it would be pretty dramatic. Mm -hmm. Um, Facebook is saying they don't expect this to have a ripple effect around the world. But Facebook is already facing so much regulation. It's certainly one more area where they don't want to have a government body overseeing them.
0: All right, Julia, thank you. Julia Borston. Pete Najarian, what do you think? Yet another thing for Facebook to contend with.
1: Yeah, which is unbelievable, and yet I think Zuckerberg's up for the challenge, Mel. I mean, he's taken on just about everything, and every time everybody wants to go against Zuck and say, you know what, how are you going to do this, he just manages his way through it once again, and he, he has just got an incredible way of moving his way through things, and we've watched this time and time again, including his acquisitions that he has made he continues to do that as well and that's been something that's been very very powerful this guy's made eighty plus acquisitions over the last uh, six or seven years it's incredible and i think he'll be able to navigate through this as well just because he's done so well before whether it's with the u s government or overseas he seems to have this knack for being able to do what he needs to do and execute the way he wants to execute so i own facebook this does not even give me a. a Brussels at all, I think he's going to handle this very well.
0: It does seem that since Cambridge Analytica guy, Facebook has had uh, or gotten the handle on, on how to on how to deal with these sorts of issues and regu- regulation. No doubt.
3: Yeah, and you go back to June, and I remember stock was making an all-time high, I think, at 245 or so, when all those people announced <clears throat> that they were going to pull advertising. And I remember saying, you've got to be careful here. You know, there could be a bit of a downdraft. And that did happen, but I think it was June 26. Procter & Gamble announced that they were the latest to poll. Stock traded down to 207, reversed that day and closed higher. And literally ever since that day, uh, one of the things we've said, and I know what I've said, is I don't like Facebook for a myriad of reasons, but you have to own the stock. Because to <coughs> Pete's point, they seem to be Teflon here, and, and the stock just continues to grind higher. The one existential risk, in my opinion, continues to be the potential for them to fall under the auspices of ESG investing. Short of that, um, this thing seems unstoppable right now.
0: Mm. It's got reels now also, the competitor to TikTok. It's got shops, Dan. Um, and yet this, this latest wrinkle in the TikTok battle is kind of interesting that the Chinese government might have to also approve the deal on the, on the bite dance side of things, which could really hold, thi- hold things up here, which could be good, you know, bad news for Facebook.
2: Yeah, it could be. I mean, I I think that TikTok has the secret sauce there. And, and, you know, I I think that, you know, I don't think that they're going to have a forced deal. I think whatever happens, you may have an announced deal, but I don't think it actually goes through. I think TikTok continues um, to see what it looks like in our country, what the atmosphere is for this sort of um, you know product here owned by a, a Chinese firm. And I think they're going to be a formidable competitor. I don't think Reels is at all catching on. And trust me, I have two teenage daughters. I see what they're doing and how they're using it. I don't even think they've heard the word Reels. Um, so TikTok is, is, is here to stay. I think it's really interesting that Snapchat has been the one that's really kind of chilled out here since the the TikTok stakes have been going here and you know obviously we know what Facebook was able to do when they wanted to kind of Uh, focus on their product one way or another. But I just don't think it's going to have the same effect on TikTok. So to me, as far as Facebook's concerned, stocks up 30 percent. since a reported earning. I know that it sounds like a broken record here. Um, You know, they they keep surging higher. It's part of a mania. It's not really reflected um, versus some sort of fundamental thing that's going on that's different than three months ago or six months ago. So I'm just a bit more cautious on these names here.
0: I'm going to beat you to it, Grasso. Would you rather Facebook or Snap? (laughs)
4: Oh, definitely Facebook. I think what everyone's focused on, what shareholders are focused on, is that just under $70 billion in revenue that comes from advertising. So that boycott that guy uh, spoke about a couple of months ago, we knew, shareholders, I should say, knew that it was going to be transitory because you you only have one or two areas that you have to be in. You have to be with Google, Facebook, or Amazon. And Facebook has reaped the benefits of that. I would stay in
0: it if I'm a shareholder. All right. We've got a lot more fast money coming up. Here's a little taste of what is to come.
1: Your presidential election playbook. What you might need to take into account when positioning your portfolio. Our next guest lays out his strategy. And later, got your head stuck in the clouds? Options traders do. And they are betting big on one cloud stock ahead of its earnings report. Stick around for the details on that trade, that and a lot more when Fast Money returns.
0: Welcome back to Fast Money. Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin testifying on Capitol Hill today as lawmakers try to come to an agreement on a relief package. Elon Moyes got the details. Elon,
8: Melissa. Democrats accuse the Treasury Secretary of bragging about the current state of the economy. They also warned about the potential for a K-shaped recovery, in which the wealthy bounce back quickly, but low-income households get left behind. The Treasury Secretary fired back and said that he's willing to talk about targeted relief measures. He laid out several areas of bipartisan agreement, including more money for schools, direct checks, as well as more money for the Postal Service, where they disagree, he said, is over the dollar amount, but he said he's still willing to keep negotiating.
5: I would publicly say I am willing to sit down at the negotiating table with the speaker with no conditions whatsoever any time other than I think the chair expects me here for a bit longer. So you want to go back in and
7: try to get back in
2: as soon as possible, even today?
5: Can I tell her that you suggested I call her right after the hearing? Yes, yes, yes. Done. I will call her right after the hearing.
8: Melissa, I have reached out to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office to see if indeed she did get a call from the Treasury Secretary. I will let you know if and when I hear back from them. Back over to you. It's been a few
0: hours, right, Elon? I mean, <laughs> we had a few hours to make that call.
8: The day is not over yet. Um, That's
0: true. That's true. Can't count them out. Uh, Elon, thank you. Elon Moy in Washington. While lawmakers debate more virus aid, the presidential election is heating up. J.P. Morgan's Marco Kalanovich is seeing a trend in the betting markets that suggests investors should position for rising odds of a Trump re-election. Marco joins us now. He is the firm's global head of macro quantitative and derivative strategy. Marco, always great to have you with us. Aside from the betting market, is this, this, in your view, what is driving the S&P and the NASDAQ to record highs?
5: No, I, I don't think that's what's driving the market. You know, um, what is driving the market now is really what we are seeing this like um, uh, exponential rise of NASDAQ or technology stock. There is a bit of a frenzy for sort of buying the stocks, buying the options, upside options on NASDAQ. So that, I think, is the primary driver. The, the development around the betting polls and, and, and presidential odds, I think, is not yet reflected in the market. And we think the, the impact will be more on a relative on a relative basis, uh, sort of relative performance of cyclicals maybe versus defensive, value versus growth.
0: So that does not support the current market that we're in necessarily in terms of the groups that have gone higher and led this market to new highs. That's
5: that's what we think. You know, if if you look at the last uh, few days, actually last few weeks, but really most prominently last few days, it's really technology and momentum stocks that are that are driving uh, driving the market higher. We would like to see a bit of a broadening of leadership. You know, we would like to see uh, cyclicals. We would like to see value stocks actually uh, participate a bit more in in this tech-driven rally. So,
0: so when you say the markets aren't pricing in the the Trump re-election, are they pricing in a Biden election? Then is that what this market reflects the the boom in growth? I mean, what how did, how would yes, that was,
5: play out? Yeah, no, there was there was a bit of a dynamics. If you look at the if you look at the uh, in July. Um, uh, Biden, Biden odds were, were pretty high. They were about 25 points above, above Trump, you know, and, and that was basically pricing. Um, uh, it was pricing sort of uh, low yields. Um, the, the, the technology was, was doing pretty well at the expectation of, of uh, uh, basically longer lockdowns and, 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 and you know, potentially a, a scarcer growth environment. You know, what has been happening in the last few weeks uh, the Trump's betting gold has been has been increasing steadily. And now they're they're about about a flat. Um, you know, they're about tied, uh, maybe one point behind in the betting market. Um, so we would expect actually some rotation towards cyclicals, you know, call it financials, maybe call it energy stocks. We would expect to see that more of that than we really didn't see it. You know, so we think market is not yet actually reflecting reflecting these polls. And you know, granted, polls can change, you know, we, mm-hmm. we don't know that, but we think actually market is not pricing them now.
0: If there's this rotation, uh, Mark, that's going to happen, it sounds like the markets could be in a grind. Is that why you're neutral here?
5: We're a bit, exactly, we're a bit neutral, you know, and and again, Nasdaq rallied tremendously, you know, market, uh, you, know, you know, our price target was, was, was 3,400 back in, in March and April, so, so market got actually to the that price target and a bit higher, and and largely it was being driven by, by growth stocks, technology stocks, more broadly, momentum stocks. So, so we think it's uh, uh, you know we're li- I don't want to say surprised by by the strength of the rally in these se- segments, but market is basically at or above our price target. So we're a little bit taking a breather. We would like to see some broadening of leadership. We would like to see more stocks actually that participate in rally rather than uh, rather than than these large. So that's why we are we're a bit uh, uh, at this point neutral in the sense that uh, we think market could be a little bit of range bound. You know. Obviously, the risk of uh, around the elections is, is going to play some role over the next 60, 70 days. You know, so so again, ideally, we are neutral, but we afford a the rotation, basically, for these laggards, laggards to catch up. And, and maybe technology stop, starts to, to make a, a little pause here.
0: Okay. Marco, great to speak with you. Thanks so much for your time. Always good to get your thoughts, Marco Colombo. Thank you, Melissa. Of J.P. Morgan. Um, Grasso, you, you've positioned for this already. Yeah. Is, it, is it for the same thinking or is it just the sheer fact that you think tech is too expensive?
4: No, I think tech is too expensive. And I think we're way, way too far out of the election to start trading off of that just yet. We're still trading off a vaccine. We're still trading off the Fed. But when you look at that value versus growth and the rotation into value, that started to happen right before Apple came out and announced their split. Then Tesla piggybacked it. So I think for a large portion of this last run-up, it was Apple and Tesla. And I think now you're gonna start to see the air come out of the market just a bit here. I'm long, Trinseo TSE, OLN, and WRK for exactly the reason that Marco just stated. Where is the next 30 to 50 upside coming from? I can't see it coming from tech. You have to start at a certain point to buck the trend and say okay listen we all get the growth thing we all understand that everyone's crowded into six to twenty names or even fifty names but at the end of the day you have to decide even if the economy doesn't rebound as fast as we think where are you going to put money for the next thirty to fifty percent that is going to be in value stocks i
0: mean whatever the catalyst ends up being and it could very well the markets as marco says pricing in a trump a re-election and therefore sparks this this rally back into into cyclical stocks, Guy. Um, whatever that is, though, will ca- catch a lot of investors sides.
3: Yeah, and it probably comes in the form, and we mentioned them earlier, but if, if it's going to come in the form of anything, it'll probably come in the form of banks for a number of different reasons. Although I still think banks are challenged, but, the, you know, the interesting thing, you know, President Trump said it when he first took office, you know, the report card for my administration will be the stock market, and Under that very finite definition, I mean, he gets an A-plus, clearly, because here we are. And he will run on that, absolutely. So the higher the market goes, I think, the more chance he has to get reelected. And the more chance he has to get reelected, the higher the market goes. And that's the cycle we seem to be in right now.
0: All right. Well, coming up, he's been a football player, but we are sending him to the pitcher's mound tonight. That's right. Pete here is winding up to throw his best fast pitch. Stick around to find out that name. Plus, we've got a special bonus hour of fast for you. We're taking your investing questions. So, tweet us at CNBC Fast Money. We'll tackle him on the air. More fast money after this quick break. Welcome back to Fast Money. Summer may be winding down. Pete says there's still time to set up a camp with one stop. He's stepping up to the mound for his fast pitch. Pete, take it away.
1: So I'm going to give you a camping world, Mel. And, I, and, and this one I really like. And Marcus Limonis is obviously not just the chairman, but he's the CEO of this company. And he's done a ma- magnificent job, I think, in how he's run his business. He's the prophet on CNBC. We love this guy. But I can tell you that what's really interesting to me is the stock got all the way up to 42. It took a hit in early August. And who stepped up to the plate has been nothing but Marcus Lemonis. He has bought every single day since August 10th significant amounts of shares anywhere from 50,000 shares to a couple hundred thousand shares it's been an unbelievable thing to watch and i love to see when a ceo is doing that with their own company so I already respect the man, but I really respect him for putting his money where his mouth is in terms of where he thinks this stock belongs so he 's been buying anywhere between call it twenty nine and thirty three which is pretty impressive now, the fundamental side of things their earnings were absolutely blowout the revenues are very strong they 've got a great liquidity position, and this is a company that 's got great cash flow so fundamentally I really like it it's trading right now in the mid-teens now the last thing I'd like to talk about is the growth they have a tremendous growth here and their margins are strong because they've gotten into the used industry this is a company that I think has a lot of upside alright
0: time for questions here from the panel and uh, Steve grosso has got a question for Pete Steve
4: so Pete if I were to if I were to chart this first of all you 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 already addressed the issue that it looks like it's running out of steam for me it looks like it's running out of momentum backing off from that 42 price level But if I start to chart uh, the airlines against this stock for the obvious reason, this stock benefited so much with the closure of the economy and no one flying anywhere. But once a vaccine comes about or once some type of treatment, does that make you worried that other forms of transportation and vacation are going to come back on uh, to the detriment of this stock?
1: I think it would be a little bit of a concern, Steve. But I think also when you're looking at this company, you have to analyze a lot of different aspects of it. I think they've taken market share, which has been really impressive. They actually have inventories down significantly, about 30%. So that, that I think, speaks for itself in terms of their management side of things. So I think the company's doing everything right. The used market is the place that really has me excited as well.
0: The used RV market. Is that right, Pete? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. No more questions. It is time to... Maybe people will experience this, Steve, and decide that they love camping, (laughs) want to camp again and again, and would prefer camping (laughs) over a resort. Um, But I guess we'll have to see. Uh, Are you buying Pete's pitch on Camping World? Guy Adami, what do you say?
3: Well, look what I see, Mel. You're in my head. What does that say? Can you read that? It to says, love Aside to camp. Aside
0: from the glare, yeah. But I got to gotta tell
3: you something. This, this is like, I could see, I think, a Dan or her at some point coming in and grabbing this company up. It's a perfect Danaher type of company. I think the sell-off
2: gives you opportunity. I'm with Pedro. Dan Nathan. Yeah, you know, listen, Pete made a great pitch, and I get all this stuff. I'm a seller here. I, I see what Steve sees as far as the momentum. The thing's in a downtrend. You know, this company lost money on a gap basis last year. They have a huge pile of debt that's greater than their market cap here. I see Q2, 2020, as good as it gets for these guys in the near term. But I liked Pete's pitch. Hmm.
0: Steve, it comes down to you, buying or selling. <laughs>
4: Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to buy it because it's Brother Pete. But I had to really talk myself into this. And there's no, the, no doubt in my mind, I don't want to be anywhere near a used RV. You know how I am with germs and cleanliness. But I think you have to look at the 50-day moving average in this. Use that as a near-term ripcord for you. So if it doesn't hold... Uh, just shy of you know maybe five percent lower from here. I think you got to bail. It's
0: nothing some Clorox wipes can't solve, Steve. Um, we got one strong <laughs> buy, we got a sell, and we got a backhanded sort of eh <laughs> yeah I'll buy it. Um, but we want to see what you are doing. Are you buying or selling? Pete's fast pitch on Camping World. Head to our Twitter poll at CNBC Fast Money. Results later on in the show. Plus, CrowdStrike gearing up for its earnings report tomorrow. We will break down why options traders are saying the cybersecurity stock is a safe bet. Later, you got questions? We've got answers. We'll be live with a special edition of Fast Money at 6 p.m. Eastern, and the traders will take on your burning investing questions. So stick around. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. It's already been a huge week for software earnings, and the options market is betting. It's about to get even bigger when CrowdStrike reports tomorrow. Mike Coe's got the action. Mike,
4: Hi, Melissa. Yeah, so CrowdStrike traded more than two times the average daily options volume by mid-morning, more than seven times by the end of the day. The most active weekly options were the 150 strike calls. Those were trading for just over $6. Buyers of those calls are betting that the 14% implied move is going to be to the upside, probably on the heels of the tremendous momentum that we've seen, but also exercising some caution given that analysts are concerned about valuation.
0: Thanks for that, Mike. For more options action, tune into the full show. That's Friday, 530 p.m. Eastern Time. Still ahead, we are just moments away from revealing the results of Pete's fast pitch, which means there's still time to vote in our Twitter poll. The results and your final trades next. Welcome back to Fast Time to find out if the viewers at home are buying Pete's fast pitch. And it looks like Nope, you're going camping alone, Pete. The viewer is not buying your pitch. So we have like the dance version of Tony Braxton, which is the ultimate worst version of Tony Braxton for you. Hope you enjoy it while you go camping. Time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Steve Grasso.
4: Sonos. I'm looking for this one to run aggressively into the
1: holidays. Sonos. Pete. Zillow's going right up at the highs. I think it's going to break through. I saw some call buying today. Dan Nathan.
2: Yeah, that auto break in by Phil LeBeau. I think Auto Nation is the way to play. They got the used car story down.
0: Guy, this is your ringtone, right?
3: How'd you know? I mean, because I mean, it's just my favorite. What holiday thoughts? is Steve talking about? It's like Ar- Arbor Day or something? I mean, I hope he's not talking about like the Christmas holiday. Uh, Nike, Mel. Just do it. Break it out to the upside. All right. That no more. No more.
0: That does it for us this hour of Fast Money. But do not go anywhere. We got a bonus hour of total Request fast, which starts right after this break. See you there. there. Bonus hour here. Total request Fast Money starts right now. I'm Melissa Lee. Jim Cramer is off this week. So tonight we are answering all your questions about the hot stocks you are trading right now. That's right. We want to hear from you. So tweet us at CNBC Fast Money. With us this evening, Guy Adami, Bono and Eisen, and Dan Nathan in the queue tonight. Since this is a social show, why not start with a social media giant that is Facebook, under scrutiny in the land down under, can it overcome? Plus, under, over, and beyond. Beyond Meat has had its share of highs and lows, too. One of you wants to know if there's still sizzle left in this quote-unquote steak. And later, if you had enough of feeds, be they social or dietary, we'll help you work off the excess baggage with a spin on Peloton stock. Now, let's get uh, right to our first question here on Facebook. This is from Sean in Rhode Island.
5: Good afternoon, Fast Money. Thank you so much for having me. Just have a quick question for you on Facebook. Do you still think it's a stock you should hold long term? And is it a stock that you think still has a lot of room to run? Look forward to your answer. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for sending your question, Sean. Guy, what do you tell him?
5: My
3: man, Sean, I think you stay with it. And again, and we've said this for a while, Sean. I know you're a Fast Money fan. In the middle of June, when this stock was going through some of its downtimes after people pulled their advertising, I think it was June 26th when the stock traded down to 207, reverse closed higher. And we said that was the tell. The stock's probably going to make all, new all-time highs. And that's what's taking place. I don't think we'll get to 300 this quick, but here we are. Uh, I don't like Facebook. I don't like the platform. There's nothing about it that I like other than the stock. <laughs> I think you stay with it.
0: Bonoan, you agree?
3: Yeah,
9: I tend to agree. I mean, when you're talking about holding things long term, it's about a growth story. And from free cash flow to revenue generation, they've shown that they indeed are that. So I'm holding it.
0: Huh. Dan Nathan, you agree with all these guys?
2: Well, it's interesting. You know, when you think about the fang names, you think about the valuation at Facebook, it's far more reasonable than a lot of its uh, mega cap tech uh, counterparts. The stock has obviously performed really well. What is really different, though, about uh, versus them is that their earnings and sales are expected to decline this year, year over year. So you're starting to see um, expectations for next year kind of pick up a little bit. So the stock seems fairly valued. If you own it, yeah, you continue to own it here. But I think the guy's point is really interesting is that, you know, when that stock dipped down to 207, then it kind of found a range back near those prior highs and consolidated a little bit. And so I think those are the opportunities that you have to kind of buy into a story that you want to hold long term. You want to buy it, I think, on dips. You don't want to buy breakouts like we've had right now. This stock has gone from, what, 240 to 300 in a straight line in about five weeks. So to me, I'm not adding here. But if you're long it, then you look for opportunities to add on dips.
0: Guy is patiently uh, raising his hand. Why are you raising your hand?
3: No, because I I love Sean's question, but it dawned on me. You know, you're you're a very famous person, Mel, and I've had the great honor of working (laughs) with you now for north of 11 years. But I was just wondering, if I were to go to the Facebook application, would I be able to find, like, a fan page for Melissa Lee? I think Sean would like to know that as well.
0: I don't think so. Not that I know of.
3: (laughs) Oh, that's unfortunate. You're going to create maybe I one? I should start one. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, maybe not. Um, we'll do that in a break. Bono, and you mentioned long-term, but if, if the question that Sean had posed was short-term, let's say the next one year, two years or so, would the answer be different? Uh,
9: y- no, but I would put in a stop, or I'd buy some optionality there. I mean, we've talked about that. Listen, I think... Um, you know, the tech stocks, Fangs in particular, have had quite a tremendous run, and it would just be, it's not about my view on the stock necessarily, it's about prudent risk management. And I think even in the times that are wrong, which I try to keep 49% or lower, as often as I'm wrong, if it's when it's when I'm a prudent risk manager, that's when I continue to stay in the black. So short term, put in a stop, if you get taken out of it, as Dan and some of the other guys have said, then you can buy the dip.
0: All right, let's get to our next question. It is on Beyond Meat. Was all the rage not too long ago? Shares, though, have taken a dive of late. Let's uh, hear your concerns on the stock. Lawrence in Illinois has got this question.
9: Hi, this is Lorenz, and I was wondering what your thoughts were on Beyond Meat. Do you think it will get back to its 52-week high? And if so, when? Thank you. Have a good day. Bye.
5: Dan,
0: what do you tell Lawrence in Illinois?
2: You know, I think if our producers can pull up a chart of this thing here, I can't see it. You see the stock has been consolidating here. It got a nice pop last week um, after that announcement. I look at a company like this. It is a concept company right like uh, obviously they have sales they don't have earnings it's about an eight billion dollar market cap they have a lot of competition but they keep making some of these new announcements about where their product might go and that's good news i think this is a trend i won't eat this stuff but other people will and i think that the the more appetizing they can make it it's almost like an r&d sort of situation so any good news you have this stock back up near those highs i think it was about 180 and the all-time high is about 245 from 2019 when this thing was all the.
0: I mean, the argument here is that there's so much, um, you know, so many competitors on the market now, and it's not just impossible. Um, There is the uh, incognito, apparently, that is uh, coming out on the market. bono how do you feel about beyond?
9: Listen, uh, I think I fade the fact that it gets back to uh, an all-time high or gets back to its recent high even before there's a chance to pull back here. So if you think about just the corporate structure and, and what they do, right, what their distribution channels are. Essentially what they've been is a food service business that's recently pivoted to more of an online presence, direct to consumer and retail. And while I give them credit for making that transition effectively through this situation, I'm waiting to see a pickup in restaurants, uh, things of that nature, other, uh, you know, other large um, A food service companies before I get back in on Beyond.
0: I mean, there's only so many value packs uh, the Adami household will purchase at any one time, Guy.
3: (laughs) Well, man, Lorenz, I mean, you know, look, I'm just throwing this out there, but, you know, you wonder if he's sort of getting the munchies a little bit later. He's thinking of Beyond not only as an investment vehicle, but, you know, maybe to sort of, you know, have that late-night craving satisfied, shall I say. With that said, Melms... Uh, you know that I've said for a long time this does terrible things to my constitution. I don't want to hear it. Albeit I'm an I don't older male, it. I totally get it. La, but la, 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 I've la, liked la. the stock, and we were talking about it at eighty-five dollars. <laughs> I said it's probably going to race up to one hundred and thirty-five. City, I think, just raised their price target to one forty-one. I think you can hold this. You know, I think it's going to make a run towards the levels we saw just a month or so ago. I don't think it's getting to those levels that Dan cited, but. I think 160 or so could be in the cards for sure, Melms.
0: All right. Well, at least one of you out there, at least one, is watching this show while you're working out in your home gym. So let's hear from Kyle in New Jersey.
2: Hey, Fast Money team. With the at-home exercise theme exploding and the possibility of people not returning to gyms this winter, what's your thoughts on Peloton? I appreciate it.
0: Kyle gets bonus points for a super cute kid. Bono, what do you tell him?
9: Uh, well, Goldman came out, and you saw the price action in the stock. This was about a week ago, maybe it'll, maybe it'll be a little longer. I think this thing pulled back to about sixty eight, sixty seven, and it's made a tremendous run back up towards that ninety four dollar price target that Goldman put out. So I think it's trading around mid eighties uh, at the current at the current uh, levels. But if you really, you know, again, break it down, right? Like we have seen a trend away from gyms, although there will be some reopening. I think that people continue to see COVID as as a threat. Social distancing is still something um that's, you know, that's going to be here. And I think people have gotten more comfortable. You've seen it in housing. Like, listen, your home is your fortress and where you want to feel comfortable and safe. And I think Peloton plays into that. And If you look into the, into the fact that they're not really spending much to add customers, along with low churn, as, again, Goldman has put out, the stock makes a lot of sense. I think this is the new trend. I own it and I like it.
0: Low churn because there is no alternative right now, basically. And I think that would be the, the major concern on this stock, just like in any of these, you know, WFH stocks like a Zoom. You know, Guy, we, we played this game Momo or NoMo. Uh, in fast money tonight, meaning momentum driven or fundamentals driven, so not momentum, no mo. Uh, And what would you say about this one, Peloton?
3: I forgot the rules. See, that was like an hour ago. And you know, you get to my age and you forget things. But I think what I said in the five o'clock hour, Mel, was this was, although it's clearly being driven by momentum, there's fundamentals behind this. And I'll stand by that. We've said this for a while. I am a user of the product, as are you. I think Dan has the treadmill. He traded in his bike for a treadmill. And I don't think people are going away. I think people have gotten to love the product, love the community. I think they're getting the health and fitness world as well in a major way. And I think this stock could absolutely get to the Goldman price target. We're not just saying it today. We've said it for a while. By the way, Dennis Morton, I know he's watching. He's my guy on Peloton. Love him.
0: I love um, Allie Love and Emma Lovewell. Uh, Dan Nathan, what do you say about Piton?
2: Well, guys, right? I obviously work out a lot. You guys can all tell that. Um, listen, it's a great product. Sorry, did we laugh? It's a really Not high sure. price. <laughs> wait, wait, what? Um, you know, it's a great product. It's obviously the low churn because just once you have the product. You know, the price point for the recurring thing is not that aggressive. Listen, this stock is up 200 percent. Whatever you think is going to kind of the trend is going to play into 2021. It's in the stock here. The company loses money. It's obviously those hardware, um, you know, it weighs on the margins, about 44 percent gross margin. This is not one I think you buy right here, but it's clearly a trading vehicle and, and people are trading the heck out of it. i um, sorry, Mel, if I use that word again. Heck, um, but it's not for me here. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I'll just make one other point though you know when you have these bikes or these treadmills and you have that huge screen you say to yourself what kind of company would want you captive on that thing for 30 or 40 minutes maybe on a day that you're not interested in taking a class so you know at the right price point this company is um, probably fits into, like, an Apple for that kind of data capture as it relates to health and then also for viewing content, that sort of thing. So to me, I think this is something that you're going to see a lot of other big data companies very interested in this, this So you're saying
0: thing. Apple could buy them?
2: Yeah, why not? I mean, you remember, Mel, before Tesla became a $450 billion market cap company, a lot of people thought that Apple should buy yeah. Tesla for their autonomy and all that sort of stuff. It's a pretty uh, captive sort of audience when you have somebody on one of those things.
0: All right. We're just getting started here on Total Request Fast Money. You ask, we answer. We're going to kick the tires and light fires on recently IPO'd rocket companies ahead of its first quarterly report as a public company, which is slated for tomorrow. Plus, are these pretzels making you thirsty? We continue the recently public company theme with a check on UTS following its own debut yesterday. Now go get some water. You've got two minutes till we're back. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Total Request Fast Money. Newly public rocket company soared today ahead of its first quarterly report. Let's get to NOAA in Alabama.
4: What is up, Fast Money? Noah from Alabama here. My question is about Rocket Companies, ticker symbol RKT. They just had their IPO roughly a month ago, starting at $18, and they're now comfortably trading above $29. They have their first public earnings report coming out tomorrow, and I personally have a strong outlook for this company because of their strong leadership and because they've simplified the home buying process for many first-time buyers, including myself. So go ahead and tell me, what is your outlook for Rocket company Companies, ticker symbol RKT?
0: Guy, what do you tell Noah aside from Roll Tide.
3: Love for Roll Tide, absolutely. I know you're a big University of Georgia, uh, Alabama. Was he from Alabama? Did Alabama, I miss Alabama. I, maybe Bay's I that. Oh, sorry. <gasps> I, you know, again, I'm getting all. It, it's a long day for me. I'd love. Listen, huge. You're a big fan of the Tide as well, aren't you, Mel? Yes. A lot of people don't know that. With that said, uh, the man who usually occupies this time slot, Jim Cramer, has been all over this. Good for JC. Uh, I think the stock has legs, but, you know, you look at the analysts, they have price targets anywhere from 25 to 31. The smart thing probably to do in the short term is take some money off the table. The $100 players are riding this post-earnings. Uh, great company, big run, post-IPO. I think you got to take a little money off the table.
0: I mean, if you like housing, Bonowin, do you have to like Rocket?
9: Uh, I do like housing. I don't think I necessarily have to like Rocket. I mean, listen, they're coming out with their first— publicly um, reported earnings right like I need to see I need to be able to drill down into the earnings where it's coming from what their uh, channels are margins things of that nature before I form like a very opinionated um, opinion Uh, so you know what I'm gonna have to probably pause here as Guy mentioned the price targets are kind of in line I'm in wait and see mode
0: yeah Dan what do you say
2: Well, you know somebody who does have opinionated opinions is this guy right here. Um, You know, I think that you can defer to Kramer on this one here. You know, this stock he's been riding. Listen, here's the other thing about the first report out of the gate since the IPO. Um, Usually the companies were just on the road looking at and talking to investors. They're not going to diverge much from uh, negatively from what they just said during their roadshow. So I would expect this to be better than expected. They probably left something in the tank here um, and then you probably write. This one, as long as that home data continues to improve. The other thing I'll ma- mention is that you know our main man from Alabama. He said this is a product that he used. He made his life simpler using it, and that's a really good endorsement. So to me, this thing probably breaks out and has some higher highs here.
0: All right, Noah, you got your answer. Let's move on to shares of Uts. They just started trading yesterday. Let's take a question from Jay in Texas on this
2: company.
5: First off, thanks for having me on. The question I wanted to ask today was. Where do you see the company, UTZ, both long-term and short-term after their recent merger? From what I can see, I feel like this is a company that you do want your money in.
0: Dan, what do you tell Jay? What? (laughs) So jealous. I love potato chips. Oh,
2: I'm sorry. You're coming to me? Yes. Um... Listen, this thing just rocketed out of the gate, right? So it came public through a SPAC, They're all the rage here. Um, you know, this is a pretty cheap stock here, I think. And I think that's one of the reasons why you saw this thing go from 14 up to 18 in a straight line in the last week. So to me, um, I think at trading one-time sales. They have some really good growth there. It's a profitable company. That's why I was able to go through this public offering through a SPAC. Um, I like it here. I don't like buying things up in a straight line like that. But I think that because there's so little price discovery on the situation because it came public this way, you may want to wait for it to settle in. But I think this is a great name to own. It's a great brand. It's a great product. And it's a cheap stock.
0: The family-owned company, Bono. And how do you feel about us? Yeah.
9: Well, I try to stay away from the potato chips because I feel like I even sniffed them. I put on five pounds. So um, I really couldn't tell you from a consumer standpoint. But what I will say is these specs, as Dan said, all are all the raids. Longstanding family-owned business. Um, I just think that this is a trading phenomenon, right? What we've seen is people at home snacking. There's nothing really better else to do but snack and, you know, drink these seltzers, as I mentioned before. So, listen, I think you own it. I think you look to trade it. And then I think you look to get back in once... They've talked about that, how they're going to distribute nationally and internationally, and what's you get a better idea of what um, growth engines might be going forward in terms of their product offering.
0: Guy, quick, favorite flavor potato chip?
3: Barbecue. I mean, you knew I the knew answer it. to that. Come
0: on. Yeah, I did.
3: Of course, you did.
0: What do you <laughs> feel about us?
3: I, well, these guys nailed it down. I mean, I think this is one you want to probably hold on to. For the long term, it's probably got legs. What I'll tell you, though, if you want a great sandwich, go buy yourself a roast beef wedge with provolone cheese. Get a bag of those Utz barbecue chips and put them on the sandwich and eat it. It's fantastic. If you really want to get crazy, you get a peach snapple along with it, and then you're golden. The more you know. I would
0: take a peach iced tea. But, yes, I would I would definitely go in on that order. All right. Still more, more to come in this viewer-driven total request fast money. Literally, hold the phone. Literally, you out there apparently really love telecom. We won't judge you. But like a signal coverage map, we are all over it for you. So stick around for your questions on these names. Welcome back. This is a special bonus hour, total request fast money. So let's take a question from Zach in Texas on AT&T.
4: This is Zach Estrada calling in from Houston, Texas. So I just want to know, what are y'all's opinions on AT&T? It's been around $30, and every time it gets above $30, it always drops. I hear they're doing stuff with DirecTV as far as selling it. I heard it's in for the long run, but what do y'all think? Do you think it could possibly get up to $60 a share? Let me know.
0: Bonwin, what do you think?
9: Oof, $60 a share. I mean, speaking of opinionated opinions, I do have one here. I mean, this stock has been dead money for some time, hasn't really participated in the rally. And ultimately, I just don't think it's a winning business model to be purchasing assets at X, selling assets at fractions of X. And that's currently the business model that they're undertaking. So really what I need to see is a consistent structure plan from management in terms of how they're going to write the ship here, particularly when you think about Netflix, Disney+, and all the other streaming services. I really I just got to see them right the ship here. No, you, I'm not touching it.
0: Are you as downbeat on T guy as Bono is?
3: Yeah, we've been for a while. They're getting a clock cleaned by mm-hmm. T-Mobile. I mean, if you look, <laughs> John Ledger's just kicking everybody's rear end. I mean, they have balance sheet problems that we've talked about forever. The, you have the greatest stock market in the last six months in the history of mankind, and the stock can't get over $30. I mean, I, I'd, I'd take it to get to 32 before you know, 60 is pie-in-the-sky stuff, my man. I dig Zach. Love the name Zach Mayo. If you recall, Mel, I know you do, an officer and a gentleman, but I'm not digging AT&T right here. I
0: don't think I've ever seen that movie. Uh, Dan, what do you say you about gotta
2: to be. Oh, my God.
0: Sorry. <sighs> I'm behind on movies in general. Uh, Dan.
2: Um, You know, I like what these guys are doing here, and and Guy is right. They do have a balance sheet problem. They have a ton of debt, and that's why they're looking to sell... TV, even if it's lower than what they bought it for, they're coming to the conclusion that that is not a business they want to be in. So the, would you rather them just kind of sit with it and let it bleed out? I don't think so. So I think if they can sell that, pay down some debt, then you have a situation where this company, the valuation can kind of expand a little bit. They can focus on that Time Warner content integration with their delivery mechanisms that are working, that are that is a utility and that's wireless. Um, and then the last point I'll just make, it: it pays a 7% dividend yield. So if you're looking at this stock at 29 and a half and you don't think there's any risk to that dividend and you think of anything that they um, are able to pay down that debt with a direct TV sale, I I think the stock works higher. I don't think it gets to your 60, but it could get back to 40 over the next year. So I think this is probably a pretty decent value play.
0: All right, let's stick with telecom. Jacob in Georgia has a question on American Tower.
3: What's going on CNBC and hello from Athens, Georgia, just minutes off the campus of the University of Georgia. Go dogs! My question today is about the company American Tower. For a long time, my thesis with this company has been that they have taught domestic market share, as well as being the best positioned company, in my opinion, for the rollout of 5G. I'm curious what your thoughts are on the long-term viability of holding this stock. Thanks.
0: Guy, what do you tell Jacob?
3: It's been the right play, Jacob. You stay with it. I mean, it's had a pullback. Uh, I think J.P. Morgan just initiated neutral. But that shouldn't scare you away. You've had pullbacks like this in the name before. It's done, you know, three steps higher, two steps lower. And as the great Dennis Garman would say, this stock has gone from the lower left to the upper right for quite some time. I think you stay with the names, probably getting a tad expensive valuation-wise, trading close to 28 times next year's numbers. But I think this is one you sort of put in the drawer, as Brian Kelly would say, and hold it for the long term. Bonoan? Yeah, I mean, long-term trim
9: is still, like you said, lower left, top right. But I think it's, it's been challenged as of late. And I don't really like the way this thing is trading. Uh, if you look at pre- price to, to FFO, price to earnings, all those metrics look a little expensive. I say you wait, wait for a pullback, then add it, then stick it in your drawer and lock it so that you don't reach in there and sell it.
0: Dan?
2: Whoa, that was really descriptive, Bonwin. I don't know what's going on over there in your quarantine, but um, you know, maybe we'll save that for the commercial break. Um, listen, I actually think that uh, the viewer had it right. I think this is a really good way to play 5G um, without kind of trying to play an Apple upgrade cycle or some of these things that have already run and that kind of really reflect that valuation. Um, Like Guy said, it's not a cheap stock. The growth is not um, over the top. I think we're talking about single digits earnings and sales growth. Um, But I think it's probably a good thematic play if you think there's going to be a big 5G upgrade cycle over the next year.
0: All right. And it's a telecom trifecta. So let's get to the third. David in Kentucky, who is wondering about Nokia.
7: Hi, this is David from Paducah, Kentucky. Thank you for taking the time to answer my question about the Nokia company. Over the past six months, they've had nothing but good news. They've had several exclusive contracts with their 5G rollout technology with several countries. Uh, they've won several patent court cases. Uh, they have a brand-new CEO. They've had higher-than-expected earnings in the last earning call. Uh, most analysts are saying this should be a 10 or $12 stock, but for some reason, the stock keeps going down. The past couple of days, it's actually lost most of its value. It's gained over the past six months. Maybe you guys can shed some light on this. Thank you.
2: Dan, can you offer some help? Yeah. I mean, listen, I think there's a couple ways to think about this. Again, just like the American Tower, you know, this is a thematic play on 5G. It's also in the crosshairs of the Huawei situation globally. They should benefit from any clampdown um, on Huawei and their ability to sell hardware and other services into Europe and other parts of the world. Um, So to me, I get it. Um, You know, listen, I think this company has a pretty checkered pass in a way. Um, I think all those positives that you mentioned are pretty well known. I would just say this is that look at that gap from last year when it went below four. I don't think you want to own it below that. So if you're buying it here and you're looking for a move into year end, you're looking for a play as it relates to 5G. I think you'd want to use a four dollar stop to the downside.
0: Guy, I feel like this is a Tim Seymour name of of years past. But what would you say about
3: Nokia? No doubt, because because he is the ambassador. And when you talk about Tim, there is a U.N. ambassador. I mean, but with that said, everything that he just mentioned, that's probably why the stock went from $2.30 to 5 bucks. So you wonder at what point does it sort of tap itself out. If you go back and look, this is where the stock broke down from in October, uh, and it makes sense that it's failing here now. I, you know, I don't know if it's getting back to that $10 to $12 level. To Dan's point, I would rather look for a pullback back down to $4 and reinstate a long position.
0: Last word, Bonowin.
9: Yeah, I think you buy a dip. I mean, Dan pointed out some great points about is it really about Nokia or is it about Huawei? And you have had a lot of positive news. I will point out that their last earnings call, right, they kind of flipped that free cash flow story. And that's the one I'm watching. And being that I like the way that that's trending, I'm looking to buy some on a pullback.
0: All right, let's go from telecom to semiconductor stocks. Here's our next question. Michael Delfino asks, I got into MU around $50 since then memory chips have dropped and now they stand to lose 10% of revenue with Huawei ban. Do I sell? Guy.
3: No, I think you got to stay with it now. I mean, I think the, the obviously the, the pain point was a couple months ago. My concern always with Micron, is it going to become commoditized? And I thought they got themselves over that a couple years ago. It looked like they did for a while, but now they seem to be back in it. So. At these levels, I think you got to sort of suck it up and hold it, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Bono, and what do you think?
3: Same, but with a quick stop. With a
9: quick stop. No, no need to hold on to your losers. Yeah.
0: Dan?
2: Well, Guy, let me fill you in on something here, buddy. Their product is commoditized, and that's one of the issues right now. Obviously, they're facing a lot of pricing pressure. It's not going their way. I was shocked in mid-June when the company reported. um, It was a great quarter. It was a great guidance. They had great things to say about the channels that they sell into data center and the um, handset upgrade cycle. Um, But the stock has acted horrible. Its relative performance to the SMH, the ETF that tracks, the semiconductor group, is just disgusting. It's trading at multi-year lows. I just feel like something awful is coming here. And then I think back to last month and I look at what, you know, Western Digital, which owns Sandus, what they had to say, and the stock has acted atrocious. So to me, I just think that this one is telling you that it's a value trap. You don't want to be there. Um, to me, I just don't like where they sit in the cycle. Um, and, and it's trading like they are massively commoditized and they have um, the pressure of all their customers on their neck right now.
0: Kind
2: of schooled you, guy. He, yeah, he always does because that's what he—that's
3: what Dan, Dan loves to. When we used to sit next to each other, he would hit me and he would make faces <laughs> at me. At least it's safer now in this world where I don't have to get you know accosted on his desk. Just verbally accosted. I would accosted. say this. I think that 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 August twenty-first uh, move. If you go back and look, that to me was a flush out. I think it traded down to forty-one and a half, forty-two, and it's bounced from there. So. Maybe maybe that that terrible stop Days Coming already came a couple weeks ago. Sorry yeah. about that.
0: Flip and Russell just aren't behaving tonight. More total requests fast money coming at you. Those stocks are the name of our game. We still are happy to be back up. Review the rule book. Find out if one of you wants to know about the Fed's impact on all this. Plus, speaking of gaming, another of you wants to know the traders take on Sony and its PlayStation. We'll take it to the next level right after this. Welcome back to Total Request Fast Money, where we answer your questions on stocks and more, including the Fed.
5: Question for Guy Adami. Uh, The Feds have been pushing liquidity, buying corporate bonds from March onwards. And every time we hear market goes up that there is tremendous amount of liquidity in the market and hence market is going up. So my question is, why are feds still buying corporate bonds and inserting more liquidity in the market, thereby creating a bubble? And how is this really helping anybody on the main street? Can you guys answer that question, please?
0: I feel like Nirne is asking a rhetorical question in a way, Guy, but do you have an answer for him?
3: There's lots unravel there. And I've said this. I'll say it again. I've tweeted it. I, I happen to think that, that some of the great villains of the 21st century are going to be global central bankers because, to his point, they're creating a bubble. Why are they buying corporate bonds? I have no idea. What are they scared of? I have no idea. But, you know, the day that I took capitalism in college, they didn't teach that, that that was the Fed's job. You know, the Fed's job is stable prices and full employment. And quite frankly, you know, the the prices are anything but stable. I do think they're creating a bubble. I know there are people that say that that's not correct. Uh, I'll stand by my words. And I don't know how it helps most people. I think it absolutely, you know, helps the wealthy in an inordinate amount. And I don't think it really helps the people on Main Street. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I'm not smart enough or humorless enough to be a central banker. But I'm pretty steadfast in my belief.
0: By the way, on Squawkbox last week, I asked that very question to Loretta Mester about uh, investors citing the Fed and the massive amounts of liquidity is causing the stock market to go higher. And she said she didn't believe the Fed was engendering any sort of a stock market bubble at this point. Um, Bono, what are your thoughts on this issue? Because it is true that every single investor that comes on our air says you can't fight the Fed on this. There's just too much liquidity here to be fighting this market.
9: I mean, you can. I mean trying to just give you a logical explanation as to why. I think there's a, you know, a big time flashback to you know, um, the meltdown of 2008, 2009. And so you know, when they're looking in their playbook, they're saying, listen, we're going to make sure that we exhaust every resource possible to ensure that we don't have a repeat. Now, that was a financial system issue. I think the issues now are very different. Nonetheless, I still think they're using similar playbooks. As far as far as the liquidity question is concerned, I think that there is a glut of liquidity, but that that liquidity is trapped in those top tier names. And so it's not trickling down to Main Street. You're still seeing an uptick in bankruptcies and foreclosures that are likely on the horizon. In fact, now, as of September, you're probably going to see, you know, rents probably take a hit. You've seen it in New York. So, no, I don't think it's it's trickling down into Main Street. And being that that's about half of our employment, I think that's a real concern. Yeah. With that said, mm-hmm. because there is no real other alternative, I think you're continuing to see that liquidity manifest itself in higher stock market prices.
0: Well, the Fed always says that it can't do this alone, that it needs fiscal a policy also to be supportive. So to be fair to the Fed, Dan, perhaps Main Street is not seeing enough because government is not acting.
2: Hey, listen, I think the Fed did what they needed to do in February, March, and they continued with the messaging. I think the idea of expanding this toolkit now and doing what the original question was of buying corporate bonds of a $2.3 trillion market cap company that, you know, it's, it's the, the wealthiest, company on the planet that's that's ever existed um, makes absolutely no sense. And everything that these guys are talking about of how we allocate these dollars, you know, just understand this. These are scarce dollars that the Fed is printing. or Well, not really, but they should be, right? And and the fiscal um, dollars that are being allocated to this sort of thing. So to me, I think it's absolutely preposterous. I think the idea at this point for them to continue to do what they're doing is literally inflating a risk asset bubble. I know there's a lot of smart people. They at me, they DM me and they say you're dumb, you don't get it or whatever. What's going on right now in the stock market is not normal. It is divorced from what the heck is going on on Main Street. There it is again. Heck, mail you got me all worked up. Um, and, and, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. So at some point they need to kind of normalize their behavior because they are literally promoting some of the worst greed sort of like in, I don't even know what to I don't even know what to say about. It. Obviously, I'm disgusted by it, but it just doesn't make any sense anymore. Stop already.
0: All right. Let's get back to individual stocks now. Let's go to Josh in Georgia on Plug Power.
4: Hey, everybody. This is Josh Guerin, and I'm really excited to be calling from the state of Georgia today to ask about the long-term viability of Plug Power. I enjoyed watching their CEO on CNBC earlier this summer as he was talking about their recent acquisitions and about how they 're implementing their hydrogen fuel cell technology with large businesses, and I was wondering if we can expect other large industries to implement this technology in their warehouses and if we can expect this stock to grow steadily
2: and reliably over the next one to five years
0: Dan, what do you say
2: you know it's all, listen when I hear about viability and hydrocarbon cells and this and that or whatever it's kind of a little bit above my pay grade here. you know when I look at a stock like this that you know, is up, I don't know, 300% or something like that. Somebody is liking what they're doing here. Um, And if you like what the CEO had to say, that's great. A lot of other people did too. I just look at their earnings or their inability to generate earnings in a single calendar year i think in the last decade and i look at their sales growth of maybe i don't know 25 percent over that time period expected to be about 300 million this year i say to myself is this a widely adopted thing and what is the total addressable market i just don't have the answers for that if you're smarter than me and you can figure that out then this is a sort of stock if you just look at the chart that you want to buy on dips if it's got a good management it's got a good balance sheet and if there really are coming at a massive massive market you want to play early movers in, in, in secular shifts like that.
0: Tesla, Neo, Nikola, Workhorse. I mean, these are just a few of these uh, in this group that has seen this meteoric rise. Gaidami.
3: Yeah, stock. I mean, it was a $4 stock in June. I think it closed at 14 today. And I think it's got a $6 billion market cap. So it was slow and steady for a long time. But the, the rise, obviously, it's been parabolic in the last month and a half, two months. So can it maintain this type of trajectory? I don't think so, but I didn't think so with Tesla and some of the other names you mentioned either. You've clearly done your work with this, and you've obviously, I'm, I'm sure you've done very well with the stock. My sense is, just looking at the volume that it's traded the last couple of weeks, you're going to have a back and fill. I don't know if it gets back down to $9, but I don't think 11 is out of the question. So if you can stomach that move, uh, I think you stay with the name. All
0: right. Still to come on Total Request Fast Money, 3, 2, 1, go. It is game on. For one of you with Sony and its PlayStation and later, 3, 2, 1, launch. Is that a rocket in your portfolio? Another one of you has query has a query about Virgin Galactic. Answers on both right after this. Welcome back. We're taking your questions here on Total Request Fast Money. So let's get to Jose in California who's got a question on Sony.
5: Hello guys, my name is Jose. I'm a work-at-home dad in California. Uh, you guys are always giving me great information and very funny. My question to you is about Sony. Should I wait until the PlayStation comes out? Or should I keep it? I'm a big fan of the PlayStation and the company. So should I sell it when it gets, you know, too 90, Or should I just hold it forever and maybe give it to my son? Alright, have a great one and keep up the good work.
0: Thanks to the question, Jose. Bonowin, what do you say?
9: Shout out to California, my home state. Um, so, listen, I think this is more of a trading position here. This stock has had a tremendous run here, and you've seen it test this $84, $85 level a couple of times. Now, looking at the balance sheet, free cash flow debt, I think it's a well run well-run company. Totally manageable, but what I would be doing is I'd be looking to overwrite this position, selling some 85 strike calls and lowering my cost basis. That gives you a little bit more wiggle room to play.
3: Yeah. Guy? I think the growth continues to be in names like Electronic Arts and Take Two. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to play in the deep end of the pool, maybe pair out some of your Sony, and although Take Two is okay. at an all time high, look at names like Electronic Arts Take Two. I think that's where the handoff in the baton is. Sony lost their way for a long time. They've gotten it back, but it might be time to Bonwin's point to pull the
2: ripcord here. Yeah, Dan? Yeah, just, you know, looking at that chart over the last five years, it's really a beautiful uptrend. You see a series of higher lows and a series of higher highs. Um, you know, twice in the last three years, there's been 30% peak to trough declines from highs. You know, like these guys just said, it's had this massive run. You might get another opportunity to buy this a good bit lower but until something fundamentally changes, until you stop, Jose, liking that PlayStation or some of the content they make or the games, you know, this is probably a name that you keep reloading on. You know, Guy, you know, it's been 40 years since you used to don that, um, you know, that Walkman that you used to walk around in the street with a little bit or whatever. But, you know, they've come a long way. They're doing a lot of good things. It is definitely been a beneficiary of the work from home with all the games that the kids are playing today.
0: Would you like to defend yourself, Guy, or shall I move on?
3: Of course I would. I I mean, first of all, I still have my Walkman, and then during this, you know, during this period of time at home, I actually got my big Sony Trinitron XBR, which probably weighed close to three hundred and fifty pounds. And your Sony boombox, actually, exactly, both of them, and I got
2: rid of them. I moved to
3: the. They they sell these
2: TVs that are very thin now. Hey, guys, give me a Um, ring when you guys are going to have that. Give me a ring when you're gonna have that garage sale. I, I definitely like some uh, antiques, you know, in the electronics uh, space here. All okay? right.
0: Now we're gonna move on and take a viewer tweet, shall we? Me underscore next gen asks, can you discuss transports, especially FedEx and UPS? Would you take profit after the transports rally or buy more because these companies are participating in the COVID at home delivery boom? Bonowin, what do you say?
9: uh buy some dips they are participating however that's lower margin <clears> business for them right you've got to outlay cash and put proper controls in place so that you get safe delivery of your product so that's hiring that's raising your cost basis there so that's actually hurting margin so um no, i'm looking to buy some on a pullback but i i don't see this continuing this run straight up that we've seen as of late
0: dan
2: you know it's interesting and i know and i'm just going to give an honest shout out guy tim karen they were all over fedex and ups throughout the downturn saying that this will come back those stocks have just kind of rocketed back if you look at the iyt which is the uh the transports ETF. It's come all the way back, but it's really interesting to, to, to look at this thing. It was consolidating before it broke down during COVID. Uh, it's having some tough times breaking out to new highs. So I'm probably in the camp that you take some profits because I think they're probably, to Bonowin's point, they're anticipating some business that's not going to be higher or as higher margin. Their costs are going to go up um, dealing with COVID, that sort of thing. So to me, I'm probably pulling the ripcord on that space.
0: Yeah. And, Guy, you know, in the past, they've gotten in trouble in terms of the holidays and being overwhelmed. So can you imagine holidays overlaid with covid deliveries?
3: Yeah. What's coming? I mean, FedEx has been a monster. UPS has actually been a better performing stock. If you if you look at the two of them, the thing that concerns me about FedEx here, in my opinion, it's gone from very cheap to rather expensive in a very short period of time. You know, that 250 level, I think we traded up to in the fall of 2018, if memory serves. You know, maybe we get back to those levels, but I'm inclined, in FedEx specifically, to take some money off the table. UPS is its own animal. You know, I did work at UPS, Mel, uh, for a day, and they loved me there, by the way. I still get cards from senior management asking me to come back. So I would be taking profits in FedEx and maybe letting this UPS ride because they're clearly, I think, I think UPS is showing, in the short term at least, that it might actually be the better play.
0: I'm glad you disclosed your potential bias in UPS, Guy. I'm sure you have <laughs> no, that not, not uh, potential brown bias. uniform. It's a
3: real bias.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, we got more of your questions still to come on Total Request Fast Money. Oh, Kelly Clarkson, the next one's on Virgin Galactic. Almost had you there, but we definitely have an answer for you on this stock. We'll have it right after this break. Welcome back to Total Request Fast Money, where we aim to help you, the viewers, with down-to-earth answers to your stock questions. So let's get to Austin in Virginia, who's got a question about Virgin Galactic.
5: Hi, I'm Austin from
1: Virginia. And recently, my roommate and I have been looking into, and we bought a few shares of a company called Virgin Galactic. They're working on a commercial spaceflight. And while they've been publicly traded for a few years, they saw a big boost um, in their uh, stock price in the first part of the year until COVID hit and the economy had to shut down. And they've been going up uh, slightly recently, but it's an industry I could see a lot of growth in over the next uh, few years and into the next decade. What do you all think?
0: Guy, what do you think of space?
3: Yeah, it's interesting. Steve Grosso talks about this all the time, saying it's one of the only ways you can play this space, this specific industry. And he's probably right. The good news is you we know, have had that pullback from 26 down to current levels. I think that's an opportunity. Cowan just initiated the name. I believe with a $22 price target. They have a huge backlog. I'm not one of them, Mel, because as you know, uh, I get motion sickness just looking at rocket ships on the television, so I can only imagine what would happen if I were in one. But apparently it's all the rage now. So I think this is a good opportunity to get Longest this name in their earnings, I believe, in November. I
0: mean, as memory serves me, Guy, you were sick for at least one day after you used AR, an AR headset.
3: That was that, that. was one of the worst experiences. I went, had to go to Staten Island, which I love Staten Island, but I went out there for some, you know, I put those goggles on. Remember that whole thing? Yeah, you're like I was a bird knocked flying. out of the box. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm sure we have the video somewhere, but I won't watch it because it'll make me sick again. I don't need, at my age, motion sickness is not a good thing.
0: All right, back to uh, space here. Uh, Bonoin, this is one of these, uh, maybe put it in the drawer and just leave it there because space eventually will be the next frontier, so to speak.
9: took the words right out of my mouth. Um, I should just let you do this, Mel. (laughs) You can do it much better than I can. Uh, What I will say is, listen, I like it. I like the space and the trend. It's clearly a long-term play. There's no real valuation to speak of for me to argue what's the right entry or exit point. All I can look at is the chart, and as guys pointed out very adeptly, that it has had a significant pullback. I think you buy it. I think you put it away. But just keep in mind, you don't know if this is going to be the window or if it's going to be SpaceX or Blue Origin or any other new um, uh, entrant in the space. But I do like it, generally speaking, and I think it's a long-term
0: hold. All right, let's get to a viewer tweet now. Glass Capital asks... Hi, guys. I've learned a lot about Tesla, and I'm being told I'm getting a great deal after the stock split. Should I buy on today's weakness? Thanks, Dan. A great deal after the stock split. Dan, where do we begin here for Glass Capital?
2: There is no deal with a stock split. It's not any cheaper than it was the day before it split or anything like that. You're just, what was it, a five-for-one or four-for-one or whatever. You just don't have to kind of outlay as many uh, dollars per one share that you buy. So I don't mean to sound indignant to it. I, I just want to be really clear about that because... You know, we saw how these stocks, this and Apple performed after they um, announced those stock splits and just the, just all the garbage that goes online and people talking about this or that or whatever, it's not cheaper. It's just dollar wise, the amount that you have to spend. So really you have to think about, is this a good entry point for the stock if you really want to own it? What is your upside target and where are you willing to stop it to the downside? Because a stock that has performed like this that traded as low as $80 this year or, or less and now is trading at. $475. You know, you have to ask yourself, what sort of risk tolerance do you have to play this game? Because make no mistake about it, it is a game of musical chairs right now in this name. Um, and do you want to be left without a chair?
0: Yeah, we sort of talked about this um, when we touched on plug Bonowin that there is uh, this real enthusiasm for this sector.
9: Yeah, if you like it, I mean, own it. I'm not going to stop you from buying it, but I just want to be very clear, as Dan is pointed out, that this is not a result of the stock split. So if you like the company, if you like the story, if you like its leadership, you buy it and you own it. But that has nothing to do with the new stock split price.
0: In terms of managing your position, though, Guy, the stock split could help investors who do choose, for instance, to use options or or other methods. So, I mean, for, for some, the stock split is a good thing.
3: Yeah, and it's been pointed out from uh, people on Twitter that, you know, maybe I am a boomer and a dinosaur. and I don't see the benefits of a stock split. I mean, obviously, we can do the math, but maybe there are ancillary benefits in what it means in terms of the lower price point. And maybe what he's talking about in terms of opportunity is the actual sell-off the stock saw today. But, mm-hmm. you know, keep in mind that the run in the stock has been uh, nothing short of magnificent. And one thing I've said for a while now, I don't understand it, but all you needed to know about Tesla – was back in May when it was a $700 stock pre-split. Elon Musk tweeted the stock was too expensive or something along those lines. The sell-off lasted a day, and you've seen what it's done since. That, to me, tells you all you need to know.
0: Guy Bono and Dan, thank you. That does it for us tonight. We'll be back tomorrow with another supersized edition of Total Request Fast Money. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Shark Tank is up next.